the daily lectionary readings for June the 14th. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 14 and John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Proverbs chapter 14, and as I said, we have another collection of Proverbs, um, just little pithy statements, uh, seemingly thrown together almost haphazardly. So here's a general observation to think about uh, when you're thinking about Proverbs. Number one, it's easy to overdose on Proverbs. Even just one chapter, you read it through, and you know there's so much there that by the time you get to the end of the chapter and you've heard so many things expressed in such short, terse ways, that your mind can become numb to the wisdom that's really actually passing on before you. And the idea of just reading chapter after chapter after chapter out of Proverbs all at once, uh, I mean, the thing is, you, you, you just, like I said, you're just overdosing and you're not getting anything uh, uh, out of it. It's flowing in one ear and out the next. Proverbs are things that really benefit from taking them a little at a time and lingering on them. Take a look at a single proverb or just a half a proverb, just some bit of wisdom that's there and reflect on it. Think about it. It's, if it's giving you a general principle, then ask yourself, how is this proverb true? Is it always true? Are there ever any exceptions to this? As I pointed out before, many Proverbs are general principles to which there are a lot of actual exceptions. Um, the way the world is sometimes, actually, uh, you know, the slow and steady does not win the race. And sometimes crime does pay. But in general, uh, these things are true. And you might ask yourself, how are they true? How often is it true? What are the exceptions to this? And can you think of examples of how a particular proverb might uh, might um, uh, you know, be demonstrated in life today. Let's take a look at this first uh, proverb, particularly the second half of it. It says, uh, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Now, so this saying something about folly, about foolishness, tears down a house, tears down her own house. And that's, uh, you know, you can take a look at the world and see how many really pitiful people have made a mess of their own lives. It's not just that they were victims of bad circumstances or bad people. I mean, by the decisions that they made, sometimes decisions that a five-year-old would have known, that's not a good decision. That's not a thing to do. Foolish people often destroy themselves. They destroy their own lives. It's their, their, their destruction is self-inflicted because they can't control their mouth, because they can't control their appetites, because they won't listen to anybody, because they don't fear the Lord. Sometimes they find themselves, well, unemployed, penniless. Their wife or husband has left them. They're alone. They're in jail. They're in the hospital. They've made a wreckage of their lives because of stupid decisions that they've made, not just once, but over and over and over again. One mark of folly is it is indiscriminate in what it destroys, and even it destroys its own self. The next, uh, per, uh, the next uh, little, little um, uh, proverb here, it says, uh, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. 
So this is interesting just to think about this. It's, it's putting side by side, fearing the Lord and despising the Lord, walking in righteousness and being devious. Okay, these are, are paired together. So if you walk in uprightness, you fear the Lord. In other words, you take the Lord seriously and therefore you follow in the way that the Lord would have you go. But the one who is devious is the one who is hiding what they do and sneaking around. And that person, it says, despises the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, on the one hand, it means you're despising the Lord because you're paying no attention to what the Lord has actually said. You are going about your devious ways because it gets you what you want rather than what the Lord would have you want. So you are despising and holding the Lord in contempt. The second thing is, by being devious, do you really imagine that you're hiding this from God? That God doesn't see through your devious ways? You may be hiding it from your neighbor. They may not see what you're doing. But if you think that God does not see through your devious ways, truly you do hold God in contempt and you despise him. You will find out, however, in the end that, uh, that God will not be mocked. Verse 11 is a very standard presentation of what is oftentimes called the two ways. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish, right? Look at Psalm 1, look at Psalm 37. Both of those present this two ways. There's a way that leads to life. There's a way that leads to death. There's the way that the Lord knows. There's the way that the Lord opposes. Choose the way that you will go. I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And verse 11 here is a proverb that just sets that out before us again and reminds us uh, of this. Verse 12 might piggyback on that a little bit. It says, the way that seems right to a man. There is a way, but the end is the way of death. So in other words, the two ways are clearly laid out for us by God in his word. But sometimes what seems to make sense to us is a different path. And watch out. Watch out when something seems right to you, but is not in accordance with what God has outlined. Because it, although it seems right to you, it's way is death. Look at verse 15. The simple believes everything. Well, we know that's uh, true. All right, so there are many other parables that we can look at here, but uh, not parables, but proverbs. But uh, we have a, uh, uh, a lesson in John to get to, so we'll talk to you about Proverbs 15 tomorrow. John chapter 15. Now, Jesus is going to develop a common theme in Scripture, the idea of God's people bearing fruit. And this is an extended metaphor here, bearing fruit. Now, what does it mean to bear fruit? We could say, well, the, the, the fruit of my life is what I produce. But that's not not really what Jesus is getting at. It, it's really, we could say that the fruit of my life is what I produce for God. Well, that's better, but there's an even better way to look at it. The fruit of your life is what God produces in you for himself, okay? God is planting you in his vineyard. And by planting you in his vineyard, he's doing that so that you may bear fruit for him. And the produce of your life is what God is able to produce in and through you. That is the basic metaphor of fruit. Now, here it's also talking about a particular kind of fruit, grapes, 
from a vine. Jesus says, uh, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's verse 2. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word for prune and the word for clean is the same word. So there's kind of a double meaning here. Prune. God prunes us, clips off what's not working so that the rest can bear more fruit. What does God use to prune us? The knife that he uses to prune us is his word. His word causes us to be pruned, to cut off that which is contrary to God so that the rest can produce more for him. The same word that, like a knife, cuts off the bad so that the rest can produce more also cleans us. It is a cleansing agent that too is the word that has been spoken to us. We have been cleaned by his word and we will be pruned by his word. And all of this in order for us to bear fruit requires one thing. With this thing, we will bear fruit. Without this thing, we will not bear fruit. This is the one thing needful in this passage that we abide in Christ. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. You will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you will bear no fruit. Look at that word, abide. Abide does not mean dabble. Glance at, sample, taste, experiment with. Abide means rest securely in, permanently in. Jesus makes us a promise here. You abide in me and you will bear much fruit. You abide in me. My word abides in you. I will abide in you. We will be together and you will bear much fruit for your father.